Praise God. Good morning, everyone. Are you okay? Good. Strapped in? Thank you for uh, allowing us to minister this morning. Never, ever take it lightly. Realize the, uh, the intense privilege and honor to be able to share God's word. Um, and also accept the responsibility. It's not just a chat this morning. It's not just entertainment, even though we want you to have a smile and we want to have a laugh. We, uh, we were in Sunderland uh, on Friday night and Mark Ritchie was there and I've never laughed so much in my life. He was absolutely excellent. And for an hour, we just laughed and our stomachs were aching with laughter. And then in a moment of time, he switched it brought the gospel and many people gave their life to Jesus. See, God can use all kinds of people and I know that because he can use me and that's, uh, and that's good, isn't it? That he can use any single one of us and, uh, you know, we're, we're really delighted by that. Today is International Men's Day. Don't know whether you knew that. I didn't know that till this morning. Um, I had a, a, a text from India, from North India. A young man that we mentor in North India sent it. He just said, I want to wish you a happy International Men's Day. And I'm praying that the light of God will shine through your ministry today. Isn't that great? That we've got young men, young women across the world who are praying for us today. As we pray for them, they're praying for us. And, and that connection is a wonderful worldwide connection because uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is global. What, is, <laughs> what I didn't know was that it was International Men's Day today. What I do know is that tomorrow is International Transvestites Day. Isn't that interesting that the next day is the kind of abortion of manhood when yet today so all across our country people will be remembering uh, sad lives and we're not here to condemn that what we're here to do is to pray and say God we need you to give us the identity we need you to give us the uh, the way of knowing who we are in God and knowing that he's made us as we are we're in his image, and he wants us to be what he wants us to be, okay? So, uh, it was just a balance, and I was thinking, wow, isn't that amazing that the very next day to International Men's Day is when people don't even know their identity uh, will be celebrating tomorrow. And, and you and I need to know our identity, uh, and I think at the, uh, at the last men's breakfast, I spoke on being men, didn't I? And how important it is that we actually, we as men, become men and, uh, and accept our responsibility uh, and that each one of us are able to do that. Some, uh, this last week we had a, a funeral service in Horden and uh, a man who gave his life to, uh, to Jesus a few years ago 
I was with him just before he died, just before we went to Spain, and uh, his passion for God was still as strong, as strong as could be. He knew where he was going. Uh, he was clear on where he was going, and it was absolutely um, wonderful to be able to take his service last Tuesday, Wednesday, was it something like that? Tuesday, yeah. Last Tuesday, and to be able to, uh, to take his service, that was a, a wonderful thing. And... Uh, he sat, in, he sat in church for seven years before he gave his life to Jesus. He calculatedly worked it through, thought it through, understood what he'd done, and eventually gave his life to Jesus. Where I think that many people actually have a superficial testimony of where they've given their life to Jesus, they hear the gospel, respond in a quick moment in time, and, and it almost can be that it fizzles out in a moment. But this guy actually considered it, thought it, worked at it, went for a long time through it, then eventually when he gave his life to Jesus, his life was absolutely changed because he knew what he knew, what he knew, what he knew that Jesus loved him and that he loved Jesus, and that was a, a wonderful thing. But it was while um, I was contemplating taking that service on his behalf, and this, of course, the passage of Scripture that Madeline's read to us, is often read in funeral services. It's in our book for funeral services and all them kind of things. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It was while I was reading that little passage of Scripture that something hit me strongly. It's so well known that often you can actually kind of fly over it and it almost becomes something that is just one of those texts that we know there's a lot of texts like that in the bible that have become so familiar to us that actually we take them for granted but but this is a wonderful promise to each and every one of us but it's that first statement don't let your heart be troubled you believe in god you believe in God. And it made me begin to think that Jesus said to these disciples, you believe in God, but I don't know whether you believe in me. And that struck me, the, the, the distinction between the two can be so real and, and something that we need to know. Do you realise that I, from that little passage of scripture, I decided to look at the statistics. There are 8.2 billion people on this planet. I haven't counted them all. I've only got to 7.5 billion. Okay, but, but and, and the population is growing all the time. 2.3 billion people of them, which is a quarter of the population, claim to be Christian. That's one in every four claims to be Christian. 1.9 billion people are Muslims or claim to be Muslim. Every single one of those would automatically say straight away, I believe in God. 
There's one God, that's it. There are 1.2 billion Hindus. And you know something? It's registered that there are 500 million atheists. We think that atheism is the problem when actually belief in God is the problem. And that's what Jesus said. You believe in God. My problem when I'm in hospital is not atheism because actually I can deal with atheism. I can deal with people who say, I don't believe in God. We can have something of an argument or we can have a discussion or we can, we can, we can talk things through about why I believe in God and, and why they don't believe in God. When, when Richard Dawkins came to North East to challenge us that we were offering false hope to people, it was great to have a conversation with him because at least he left the place not wanting to do the film that he was going to do because he felt embarrassed that actually what we had to offer was more than what he'd got to offer, which is great, isn't it? Because we have something to offer. We've got, we have got hope. Hope leads to faith. Faith leads to life, doesn't it? And so we, we have to begin to understand that actually in Britain itself and all across the world, the fact that people believe in God is a problem. It's a massive problem. Jesus said to these disciples, you believe in God. The Pharisees believed in God. The Jewish nation believe in God. Islam massively believes in God. They pray to him five times a day. The tragedy is, is that there is another dimension to God that we have to accept. And if we don't accept the human dimension of God, we will never understand the divine nature of God. And who God is in his essence and, and who God is, we will never understand God in his spirit if we don't understand God as a man. So Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. You know, when Jesus came to earth, and of course we're we're coming towards Christmas and we're going to remember Christmas again and I think you've got quite a lot of Christmas activities going on in the church. It, it says that when Jesus came into this world that he came to his own but his own didn't receive him. But as many as who did receive him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God to those who call on his name. He came to his own. But here we are, three and a half years into discipleship, and that's the reason I mentioned Colin earlier on, the man who I buried um, this week. You know, we took the funeral service off because he spent quite a bit of time calculating who Jesus is. And here we've got a group of disciples who've been with Jesus. They've walked with him. They've talked with him. They've seen the miracles. They've seen all of the wonders that he's done for three and a half years. They've heard, they've heard the parables. They've, they've heard the stories. They've, they've been with him. They've slept. They've ate. They've, they've had miracles and all of these things. And yet still... They believe in God, but who are you? No wonder 
when Jesus says to them, just before this, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist and some say you're Elijah. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yeah, Peter, you didn't get that by study. You didn't get that by all the things that you're doing and, and all of your reading. It was a revelation from God and by a revelation you understand who I am. But even when I thought about that, it still didn't change his life. Later on that day, I don't even know him. What do you mean? I'm one of them disciples. No, I'm not. And he ends up denying the Lord on three occasions. Where, where am I trying to go with this? What I'm trying to say is, it's possible for us to be part of a church. It's possible for us to come and to do all that we're doing, to have a relationship with God or understand a belief in God, <coughs> and yet miss Jesus. What a tragedy that would be. What a tragedy it is that Jesus is having to say to these people, I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm going away. Thomas says to him, Lord, how do we know where you're going? Well, surely, in three years of ministry, people know where you're going. Now, Another reason why I'm trying to talk on this kind of fashion is that I know that Luke has, has cast vision again on Thursday night. Okay. The same thing that actually he gave at the beginning of the year. You reiterated it, didn't you? You, you, brought, you brought it again. And, and one of the issues is, is that often we can be part of a church but not understand where we're going. Do you see what I'm saying? So... So the disciples, you would have thought, after being discipled, yeah. after being part of the, the, the whole ministry team of Christ, you would have thought they'd have had at least an inkling of where we're going. One, one of the great statements when we used to have these wonderful days, <laughs> as ministers, when we used to have business sessions and, and Dave was chairing the meetings and... And, uh, and Cliff was in there and all of us were in there and at the end of all the debate Cliff would say where are we going? that would be the statement wouldn't it? where are we going? because actually none of us knew where we were going we'd gone round in so many circles just going round in circles and in church life we can so go round in circles that actually, even though it's been clearly said where we're going, we don't know where we're going. Because we haven't got it. We haven't grasped it. It's not become part of our nature. You see, it was always going to be difficult to become part of the disciples' nature because there's a sense in which they were heading towards salvation and not really saved. You see, he couldn't be saved until the cross. So they were being discipled from a religious attitude into a, a, a new glorious gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, because salvation, Romans 10 verse 9 tells us quite plainly that salvation comes because we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus that God raised him from the dead. So they couldn't believe in that because it hadn't happened. 
So Jesus is discipling them towards the new day of grace, the new day of possibility. But you would have thought they would at least had some idea of where they were going. And that's why it's important that each one of you has some idea where you're going. Not just going to heaven, because actually this Christian life is more than just about heaven. Isn't it? Because if it's about heaven, the moment you give your life to Christ, why don't we just die? Because heaven's better than this. Isn't it? Much better. Heaven is a wonderful place. It's a place where there's no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Heaven is a place where, where we'll be free from sin forever. Heaven is a place of great relationships. Heaven is a place of wonderful worship. Heaven is a place where there's perfect peace and joy and love and grace. Heaven's wonderful. The tragedy is, is there's not enough people going there yet. And it's important, like Paul said, that even though to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord is much better, he said, I want to stay here because there's too many people not coming with me. It's true, isn't it? So that there's a passion in our heart to be able to win people for Jesus and for people to know something about it. So when he says, where are we going? Jesus said to him, I am the way. Yeah. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father in which you think you believe unless you come through me. You see, so Jesus is the answer. Not a belief in God, because even the devil believes in God. The devil has a relationship with God, has a conversation with God, probably talks to God more than you and me. Okay, so there's a relationship there. But actually, he doesn't submit to God. He doesn't, he, he doesn't handle God in a right way. He wants to overpower God. He wants to do his own thing. And that's the tragedy of mankind. We want to do our own thing, to go our own way, to turn to our own circumstances, think we can handle it ourselves, and then, when we're in trouble, try and turn to this God who's somewhere out there, from a distance. You guys think that, I think, oh yeah, sometimes. From a distance. God is watching us from a distance. God doesn't want to watch us from a distance. God actually wants to come into our heart and life and to reveal Jesus to us because Jesus is the only way to heaven. Not just a believing God. Philip said to him, show us the Father. Has anybody ever seen God at any time? No. Moses kind of got a bit of a glimpse of him. Elijah got some sort of uh, effects of who he was. But actually nobody saw God until Jesus came. When Jesus came, God came. God came. And we beheld his glory, full of grace and truth, John says. We, we understood who he was, but it took three and a half years and still there at this point in time when they're saying we want to see God and Jesus said I'm here it's me if you've seen me you've seen the Father if you've seen me you see if you can see Jesus you can see the Father because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one 
Now ask me to understand the mystery of that or ask me to try and put something together to, to understand the, the Trinity. All I do know is, is that the only way that we can really know God is to know Jesus. Jesus is the way. And, and so the people outside that we speak to, we have a problem with. And the problem is, is that they believe in God. Oh, I believe in God. And so we've got to present Jesus as God manifest in the flesh. We've got to be people who openly declare Jesus because Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only answer. I wonder if you're ever going to get it. I wonder if I'm ever really going to get it or whether I'm a bit slow or you're a bit slow to realize that Billigan does not have a hope of salvation without you you see if these disciples don't get it the gospel's in trouble and Jesus is going to die He's had three years with them. He's cast his vision. He spoke to them about how it's going to be. He's told them on numerous occasions, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. And yet still they haven't got it. And, and, and as a church and as individuals who are followers of Jesus, if we don't get it, the world's lost. Honestly. Uh, for several years, Madeline and I pastored churches but it wasn't until I understood from a world perspective God's love for a, a world and how important it was for us to begin to understand that unless we take the Great Commission seriously, we'll go from one Sunday to the next and one year to the next and ten years to the next and live a life right through without having one tiny bit of effect on the community in which we live. And that would be a tragedy. Wouldn't it be a tragedy having a church here in Billingham that has no real effect on God believers outside? On people who think they're okay? People who think that when they die they're going to heaven. Oh well I've lived a good life. I do believe in God. I believe somewhere out there. I mean we've got Alcoholics Anonymous who believe in a higher power. Jesus is the one who sets us free. Jesus died to set us free. And, and I know I'm speaking to people who actually understand that because you've given your life to him. But do we really get it? That's, that's where I came away from that funeral service the other day. Do I really get it? The responsibility that's on my life. The understanding of the vision... The understanding of our part in the vision and how we, how we play our part in the community, it could be that your street goes to hell because you don't share your gospel. And it's all because you haven't got it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. As, as he mentions to his disciples, he said, don't, don't just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Believe me for what I do. 
You can see what I do. You can see I'm from God. You can see I belong to God. You can see God's in me. You can see that I am God manifest in the flesh. And yet many of us actually believe and yet don't believe. And so today I want, to, I want you to go out of this place, not coming to the front or standing up or putting your hand up, but with a decision in your heart to say, do you know what, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me, I'm going to make a difference. I'm, I'm not just going to play a game at this. I'm not just going to look and say, oh, well, I've been coming to church for four years. I've been coming to church for 20 years. I've been coming to church all my life. And I believe in God. Unless our belief in God actually makes a difference, what's the point? There's no point in it. So it's important that each one of us grab hold of who Jesus is, that he is the answer to our communities, he's the answer to a lost world, and food bank is nice to do. Giving gifts out at Christmas is nice to do. Being happy with people and singing nice songs is nice to do. But if them people die just believing in God and not accepting Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, they're going to a lost eternity. That's it. That's not just my opinion. 1.9 Muslim million billion sorry Muslims in the world who believe God are going to a lost eternity unless they find Jesus. 2.38 billion people who claim to be Christian but actually uh, are living lives that have nothing to do with Jesus because you know full well that there are not two point Eight, three, eight billion Christians on this planet. There are 2.38 God believers on this planet. And it's very easy to believe in God because his handiwork shows him. It's a lot more to commit your life to Jesus and to give yourself into the hands of Jesus. So, do you believe in God? I hope so. Jesus said, believe in me. Yeah. Believe in me and if you believe in him it'll affect your life if you believe in him it'll mean that you'll go you'll talk it and you'll not be stupid with it but you'll do the things jesus said if i go to the father you'll do even greater things than than i do what are them greater things which one of us in here is greater than jesus yet jesus said if I go to the Father and the Spirit comes into your life and the Holy Spirit becomes part of what you are, you'll have an effect on this world like I never could. He was tied into one place at one time. His body is all over the planet and can do amazing things and change. So my challenge to you today, is to accept Jesus, to get his vision to flow in line with the vision of the church. To become partners in the gospel. That this fellowship becomes an engine firing on all cylinders to change Billingham and the, and the nations of the world. Madeline and myself used to sing a song years and years and years ago before ever we came into the ministry and it went like this. <coughs> We're in a great race to put rockets in space.
but the needs of our souls we're refusing to face. I search myself through for a purpose that's true, because life is one hectic chase. There are minutes and jags, booze, drugs, and fags. Money comes easy without any snags. Position to win with a pension thrown in, but life is empty and drags. To conform is the way of this world of today, a world of sick humour and moral decay. Love's easy and free, the experts agree, but life is spinning away. Someone shows the way. I'm lost, I'm needing to know. The tangles of doubt, what life is about, what answer will anyone show? You see, if a God could just dwell on earth for a spell, a God who could save from the boredom of hell, and if life could be shared by a saviour who cared, then why does nobody tell? <laughs>